Christ is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It was quite a coincidence last Friday, the day that much of the world celebrated Earth Day and most Christians celebrated or commemorated Good Friday. In some ways, it almost seems like an odd juxtaposition, Earth Day, Good Friday. Almost seems like they should in no way belong together. After all, environmentalists probably think that Christians are only concerned about getting to heaven and when they die and don't care about what happens on earth now. On the other hand, Christians are perhaps more likely to say also that environmentalists don't believe in God. They're only concerned about saving the earth and creating utopia here and now. And yet maybe it's not such an odd juxtaposition after all. When I think about it, environmentalists lament and mourn about greed, excess consumerism, conflict, destruction, death. We Christians have a narrative for that and a word for that. We call it sin and the effects of sin. And we're concerned about that as well. So perhaps maybe those two days, we might consider those two days together in a way they might even belong somewhat together. Our Colossians text can help us think about that, for it shows, that, shows how Christ is the focal point of the entire creation and how he holds all things together. The hymn that we just read in Colossians 1 covers the whole story, what we often call the meta-narrative, and it does so in two parts or two stanzas. The first deals with creation, the second deals with reconciliation. In both stanzas, the hymn oscillates between two poles, Christ, all things, Christ and all things. So consider the first stanza. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of creation. He preceded creation. And so that's to say three things. First, everything in heaven and on earth were made through him. Second, everything in heaven and on earth were made for him. Third, everything in heaven and on earth is held together in him. Throughout the Bible, this defines God. If he made everything exists, you're God. If he did not make everything exist, you're not God. And so he holds everything in his hands. Now consider the second stanza. Just as he was the firstborn of creation, he is now the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. In this, he has become preeminent. Again, consider three things. First, the fullness of God dwells in him. Second, all things have been reconciled through him. Third, all things have been reconciled to him. This is to define him as Lord of all, or as Luther has put it, in this, he has become our Lord. Through his death and resurrection, he has reclaimed all things for himself. Now, Paul cites this hymn in part to give the Christians in Colossae confidence that Christ is Lord and in control. It seems that the Colossian Christians were perhaps more often than not controlled by their fear of hostile powers. They may be earthly powers, such as governments or spiritual powers. 
They appear to have a sense that their lives were controlled by unfriendly fate and destiny. Richard Bochum suggests that in some ways the Colossians lacked confidence also in the ultimate goodness of God's created order. It seemed to be against them. We can relate. The last few weeks, many in our country probably felt that way as well. The Good Friday tornado was uprooted and turned upside down the lives of many within St. Louis. The same can be said for people across the country as tornadoes swept across large swaths of the Midwest, South and Southeast. In other instances, many may sense that their lives are controlled largely by economic and political forces that are beyond our control when it comes to providing jobs and providing for family. Or some of us may feel that our thoughts and actions are controlled by feelings of anger, distrust, and frustration or conflict. Or we may feel that the church's future is shaped largely by cultural and historical forces beyond our control. Well, this hymn in Colossians declares that the powers and forces of this world are ultimately subject to the good and wise purposes of God for his creation. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ reinforces and reasserts God's good purpose for his creation. For Christ has brought about peace through the blood of the cross, rising from the dead as the new, he has ushered in the new creation, a new order of things has now broken in. He is now your Lord and my Lord, and for that matter, the Lord over all creation. And so Balcom also notes that this hymn not only declares Christ's supremacy over all things, powers, forces, and principalities, this is something about the created order and the goodness of the world over which he rules. So when you go outside today, you might look around and see everything through the lenses of these two stanzas. When creation shows off its beauty and goodness, to borrow an expression from Dr. Gibbs, recall that all things were made through him and for him. Or when creation shows off its devastating power that times brings death, know this, all things were reconciled through him and to him on the cross. And we see acts of kindness of the church carrying out the task that God has given us to do. Know this, all things were made through him and for him. And conversely, when we read on the web or see on TV violence or experience conflict in our community, the world, in our own lives, know this, in Christ all things were reconciled through him and to him. Reconciliation and peace have been brought about through his death and resurrection. In both instances, creation and new creation, he is preeminent as our Lord. In Christ, all things hold together and exist through him and for him. It's quite a story that you and I have to share with the world. God created and raised Adam from the earth, breathed into them the breath of life, and he became a living creature. When Adam and Eve sinned, God took away that breath of life and they returned to the earth from which they came. On Good Friday, Jesus joined humanity. He gave up the breath of life and died, and he returned to the earth as he was buried within the bowels of the earth. But now, what a difference. God breathed into him the breath of life once again, and he rose from the earth to usher in a new living creation. 
One of my students discovered that in the early church, on occasion, the fathers would lecture on the six days of creation, call it the six days of creation. And there's some evidence that they did this during Holy Week. I think it's pretty cool. Six days of creation, humans created on the sixth day, Friday, seventh day, Saturday, Sunday, Easter, the eighth day, the beginning of the new creation. And with it, the Lord has reclaimed his creation. All things are through him, and all things are for him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.